it made me doubt my own value. Like, do I even have a value? Do I deserve to be at university? Do I, do I deserve this chance? Should I be always thankful? Or maybe I have something to offer. It's been nearly four years since the so-called migration crisis that saw millions of people, many of them fleeing wars in the Middle East, arriving in Europe. It forced EU governments to sit up and take notice. But the narrative isn't always a positive one. Media coverage tends to focus on crime and terrorist attacks. It's in the news all the time, but often there's a side of the conversation that's very conspicuously missing. What was the experience like for people who actually made the journey? How were they received? And how are they doing now? And they walked all through Europe to get to Germany. Wait till you see what happens to Germany. They're having riots in the streets. They're having crime that they've never had before. Wait till you see the end result of what happens to Germany. Welcome to Europe To Date. Today, we're looking at the stories of two Syrian women who arrived in Germany nearly four years ago. Twenty fifteen saw the peak of the so-called refugee crisis here in Europe. Many people applied for asylum in Germany, sending domestic politics into turmoil. Protests and anti-protests mushroomed around the country. The number of asylum applications in Germany are way down from the 1.5 million it received in 2015. Nearly half of those received in the entire EU at the time. But despite that, it's still front-page news most days, partly because anti-immigration movements have gained increasing popularity. The far-right AFD, or Alternative for Germany, for example, are now the third biggest party in the German parliament. And the debate over integration and what it means to be German are increasingly in the limelight. So we each went out to meet someone who arrived in Germany in 2015 to see how they were settling in. I met Malika at her new restaurant in Berlin. My name is Malika. Uh, I'm from Syria, from Damascus, the capital. I came to Berlin three years ago. She was actually somewhat of a celebrity before she arrived here, and she's fast becoming a celebrity here too. We shared a pot of tea and she shared her story. I, I, I was not a professional chef, not like this, but I have a soul of the kitchen, soul. If you will give me potato, I will make something with potato. No one can make it. But before long, she wanted to change things for the better. My life there in Syria, it was very good. I have a good education. I have a good home. But I'm with revolution because no one has what I have it. She told me she wanted to do more for other people in Syria who weren't as lucky as she was. But that brought her to the attention of the government. I was wanted only because I tried to help poor people and this is it's not allowed. Yeah, because I will be against him, against Assad regime. I believe we should live in freedom. And in Syria, we don't have freedom. Malika and her husband fled from Syria to Jordan. Then he got a fake passport, took a boat across the Mediterranean to Greece and then across the overland Balkan route, making the journey all the way to Germany. Malika soon followed on a family reunion visa. She said when she arrived, she felt very out of place. Oh, when I came here, I found, I, I feel I'm, I'm under zero. It's a new language, new culture. 
She was only living on government benefits for about three months before she started catering for functions at a refugee centre here in Berlin. Her hard work really paid off. Her food was so popular that people were asking her to open her own restaurant. She's now settled here in Berlin. And I asked her if it feels like home. I will ask the God to let the, this land safe all the time. But about my hair, nothing like my... Maybe first things my land, second things this land. <laughs> I thought that statement was really poignant. I mean, my takeaway from what she was saying is that Germany is a special place for her and one that she will fight to protect, but home quite literally is where the heart is. She likened it to having the surrogate mother or a second mother, that you would always love and appreciate your second mum, but it wouldn't be quite the same as the way you felt about your own mother. Sounds like an amazing woman with an amazing restaurant. She really is. And the food at the restaurant is excellent, excellent. I highly recommend it. Okay, so I'm, I'm Ulla from Damascus, I'm 24 years old and I live in Germany for three years now. Uh, I study medicine at the Charité University of Berlin. I met a young woman who left Syria in the middle of the war, but she didn't come to Germany as an asylum seeker. Rather, she applied for a student visa and was successful in her application. So when did you decide it was time to leave Syria and how did you decide to come to Germany? Although I have lived in the war for five years and it was very dangerous sometimes and I had to move from my apartment and so on, it was dangerous sometimes, but it wasn't the, the main motive to, to leave Syria. It was uh, actually the decline of, of hope and future. Uh, I couldn't see the potential of, of the things that I wanted to do. So uh, at some point I felt like, yeah, I'm doing good here. I still get my education, but it's not what I wanted. When you say it was dangerous for the five years you mm -hmm. lived there, what kind of dangers did you face on a daily basis? So in the beginning there were big explosions where masses of people would die just suddenly. Like bomb attacks? Yeah, bomb attacks. Uh, From who? Actually, I never realized. It feels like when you're there, you realize the situation, but you don't have this external vision of who is attacking who and who is playing against whom and so on. And the parties of the conflict have changed very frequently, actually. So there's explosions going off in the street, you don't even know yeah. who's doing them. Yeah. And then afterwards there were, weren't uh, such explosions, but it was like more of rockets. They would kill fewer people, but actually they were so random and very, very frequent that it could happen anywhere, at any place, at home even. So there weren't a place where you can say, I'm safe here. And at some point <laughs> you decided that there wasn't going to be a future for the country and that it was time to go live somewhere abroad. How did you decide to go to Germany? Well, that's why I would call it forced relocation because, yes, I have chosen Germany, but I have not chosen it. It was one of the very few countries that would still give a student visa to, to, to a Syrian student. Do you feel that a lot, that people have this attitude in Germany that you should be really thankful for being here because they're offering you protection? Well, that's, that's the thing. I am, in fact, thankful for the situation, for having this possibility. Some countries have closed their doors. Most of the world, like yeah. with, with this Syrian passport, I can go to seven countries. Most of them have no, nothing to offer. Yeah. So uh, 
I am thankful, of course, but it's not like uh, people should think that I am necessarily thankful. When people assume that I must be thankful, it erases the fact that uh, maybe I have some value, like maybe I'm more than that, I'm more than an opportunity to live in, a, in an apartment. It made me doubt my own value, like do I even have a value? Do I deserve to be at university? Do I, do I deserve this chance? Should I be always thankful? Or maybe I have something to offer. There was a conflict inside me in that terms. Do I have to be financially valuable in order to be valuable or as a person in society yeah. yeah this this assumption because sometimes it happens to me that I study medicine so people respect that I think medicine is a good thing but it's as good as any there are many other professions where you can serve the community very very well what would you say to a German who said that actually the German government should prioritize German people before foreigners Actually, there are very few situations where two people, one is Syrian, one is German, they apply for the same job and then, yeah, we prefer the Syrian one. That's yeah. very rare, actually. That's exactly the opposite. Do your friends who have sought asylum and are refugees find it hard to walk around with that label in Germany? Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, it happened to me many, many times that uh, I mentioned it very casually that I'm not a refugee and people would get so surprised, like, what do you mean? Upset like, you're Syrian. <laughs> no, no, you're Syrian. Of course, you're a refugee. Like, yeah. well, they don't understand what it is. Although all of this political scene is going on, people don't really understand what they're fighting against. Is it a nationality or is it the status, the refugee status? So I would say everybody I know have lived hell. I know that for sure. Had had to sleep on a mat, didn't have a place to sleep for t for tomorrow. Uh, even though they had the money, they had the resources to do that, but they weren't able to to find a place, or uh, they had very good qualification but didn't find a job, and so on. I've seen most of them get depressed and down, and many of them, after many years, just things got better, just like that. So two women with completely different stories both found their way here to Germany and are living a completely new life here. And making it work by the sounds of things. But for many Germans, that kind of story isn't enough to justify other parts of the policy that they consider to be a disaster. They think that Merkel and her government had no real long-term plan for integrating these people, no ability to manage so many new arrivals, and found her whole narrative of wir schaffen das, or we can do it, to be completely naive. But still, Germany's response stands in stark contrast to the policies of other European countries, and certainly the Trump administration in the US. You can say that again. Now more than ever, public understanding of what it's been like for people adjusting to life in Germany is going to be an essential part of figuring out where to go from here. And Germany's success in accommodating so many people will hinge on the question of how to integrate them. This podcast was made possible with support from the School of Culture and Communication at the University of Melbourne and Bear Radio in Berlin. Audio production by Seraphine Dingus, cover art by Angelique Herring, produced and hosted by us, Claire Richardson and Rebecca Ritters. See you next time. <laughs>